Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live. Oh, baby, it's Monday, and it is just another beautiful day in paradise. <clears throat> we got the uh, we got the whole snow dump over the weekend. That was fun. <laughs> it dropped like six, eight inches of snow on us, and then immediately got to like thirty-two degrees. So that immediately made it uh, made it fun and interesting for sure. Um, anyway, welcome back to the program and thanks for coming in. It is Monday. I hope you had a restive weekend. I hope that you are rejuvenated and recharged and ready to go with another great week of discussions, conversations, topics, and more here, uh, on the program. All right. So starting off this morning, uh, we are going to go through the headlines from around the, uh, around the state and we'll talk about a few things, uh, uh, a few things that are out there, and, and we will probably talk briefly about what's going on in the Ukraine as well, simply just to keep you updated and um, uh, you know, and, and give you the uh, give you the insight that you need for what's going on out there. Uh, we're going to give that to you, and we'll talk about it. We'll also open up the phone lines, the phone lines uh, here on the program in hour one. Uh, we're going to open them up. The Pivotel call-in lines at 433-3150, We'll go ahead and open those up now and get things ready to take uh, your calls and see what it is that you want to talk about this morning as well. In hour two on the broadcast this morning, we're going to uh, talk with Stephanie Taylor, who is a candidate for Anchorage Municipal Assembly uh, for District 5, she is running against uh, Forrest Dunbar, and uh, we're going to see uh, see what her thoughts are on many of the things that are going on uh, down in Anchorage and what they are dealing with down there. It is, um, well, it's interesting. I, I'll be honest with you. I definitely don't think that I would want to be living in Anchorage right now just based on all the things that are going on. I mean, first and foremost, did you see this, that they are going to be asking Anchorage voters, not only are they going to be voting on school boards and assembly races here in April, the the uh, the official, by the way, the official uh, 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 date of the election is April 5th. So we're about four weeks away right now from uh, uh, actual election day. But on top of that, the Anchorage voters are going to be asked to approve a couple different bonds. I mean, it's a hundred and almost sixty-five million dollars, one hundred and sixty million dollars worth of bonds. They got forty-five million dollars worth of bonds for the municipality for improvements to roads and parks and everything else. And the school district is asking for a hundred and eleven million dollars in bonds uh, to build a new school, to put roofs on old schools, to do things like that. 
And I mean, at some point, I just, when does it stop? I mean, you know, I have never been one, I've never been a fan of bond packages for a variety of reasons. When I was in Fairbanks, I was never a fan of of bond packages because the school district was able to actually wiggle out from underneath APOC rulings and put out, um, use school district money to promote school bonds in those areas. It always bothered me um, that they were able to do that. And in a lot of cases, they were using bonds to um, pay for things in school buildings that quite honestly should have been taken care of by annual maintenance budgets. But instead, we would get these huge packets of deferred maintenance and then they would uh, they'd wait for the you know for the maintenance to get really they'd wait for things to start to fall apart and get bad and then they'd come and tell you, well, we need this we need this bond package because well, otherwise, you know, we our schools are falling apart. And again, remember, this is the borough that has a quarter of a billion dollars nearly. Well, this was back in, uh, this is about four years ago, They when they discovered it, 280-something million dollars in deferred maintenance on all the different borough buildings around there. So this is, not, this is a, you know, this is a group of, who have not been shy about deferring maintenance and using that money for other projects or other things that they wanted to spend it on. And so here we come after a year of COVID, the economic impacts of that, the recession that we've been facing prior to COVID coming along that was just exacerbated by COVID and all these other things. And now we're seeing that they want to put another $111 million in the school district bonds and 45 and 45.6, million dollars into into the uh, into the municipal bonds themselves, and they've broken it all down for you. I mean, all this all this stuff going on. They, they've they've broken it down, and of course, they always break it down to that. Well, this will only cost you a hundred dollars per year if you're you know it's thirty six dollars per year on a home of of three hundred thousand dollars, which is the uh, um, which I get here's and here's what's interesting. So the, the Daily News is breaking it down. Let me read it to you first. Let me let me read you how this is broken down first. But this is Emily Goodkins over at uh, at the Anchorage Daily News. She says, if the interest rates held steady, and they won't, but if they did, the total impact to taxes would be eleven dollars eleven dollars and twenty three cents per hundred thousand dollars for the municipal bond, which is the forty five million dollar one. Coupled with a 91 cent increase to the tax cap, that's about $36 for an owner of a $300,000 home. So they're, they're, you know, they're breaking it. Oh, it's only 36 bucks. For the school district's bond package, that same homeowner would pay $74 or $2,400 per $100,000 in assessed property. I love how they switch things, $100,000, $300,000 home. They're, you know, it's – anyway, it, the bottom line is you're going to pay $100 more on the average home in Anchorage. Well, it's only $100. It's only a it's only $100. I mean, come on, we we all need that, right? And then they go on to talk about how well they do retire debt each year. They're supposed to pay off 38 million in debt this year. The city, by the way, <clears throat> owns about 428 million dollars in uh voter-approved bond debt. 
So what what is it going to go for? What are we going to pay? You know, what is what are all these monies for? Hundred and eleven million dollars for the Anchorage School District. What is that going to pay for? <clears throat> well, first of all, they want to assure you that that one hundred and eleven million dollars it just seems unusually high, but it really just reflects the switch because they're they're switching from an annual to an every other year bond cycle. So every other year. You could have planned for them to drop these bond packages in your lap. We didn't have one last year. And you didn't see a bond go to the ballot last year. That's great. Recent bond packages have ranged from $50 to $65 million. So you can expect that now that they've gone to an every other year cycle, that every two years there'll be a $100 million bond package on the ballot. Just think about that. for Now remember, this is all money that goes outside of any kind of cap that they have. Because bond repayments are not, are, you know, anytime they figure some kind of tax cap, bond repayments always go beyond, they go outside of that. So of the $111 million, how does that break down? Well, $30 million would go towards constructing a brand new school for Inlet View in uh, South Edition. So a brand new, now they've already had a, a they've had a, they've lost a, a chunk of students. Enrollment's on the decline. And they want to build a $30 million building, a new one. Voters in 2020 approved the district's bond package, which included $3 million for design. of the. So they've already spent $3 million. $30 million is not even the full cost because they've already spent three, almost $3.5 million on the design of the school. Now they're going to, do, now they're going to get that off the ground. Another $32 million, almost $33 million, would go towards replacing roofs on 14 elementary schools and towards structural and seismic improvements. $12 million would go towards fixing the Lake Otis Elementary School building. Millions more would be designated for safety improvements at other schools, including uh, East High, along with other projects and designs, according to the article in the ADN. This is all, this is all where it's going. But that $30 million for that new school, oof. And then you've got all the different propositions that are out there. All the different propositions that are out there broken up. This is the $46 million and change, $45.6 million. $2 million would go towards fixing and upgrading municipal city facilities, including a few roof replacements and renovations, sprinkler systems, bracing, lead and asbestos abatement, among other improvements. $2 million to replace ambulances and fix or replace public transportation and vehicles. $34 million to fund 39 road and drainage projects, including fixing and reconstructing road surfaces. Uh, $3.8 million would fund renovations, rehabilitations, and safety improvements in the Anchorage Parks, almost $4 million. And they're looking to replace fire engines and other fire department facilities. Two point one million in those bonds. So that I mean, forty five cents on a hundred thousand dollars assessed value. They always it's only forty five cents. Why would you? The question is not how much. I mean, should we be spending some of this money now on some of the fire systems and the EMS services? Absolutely, I could see that. Some of those I can. Some of those I can definitely see. $30 million for a brand new school when they are having an absolute crunch on students and the, the dust is still not settled on the post-COVID time as to whether or not everybody, I mean, some of these kids are going to continue to go 
do homeschool and everything else. I just don't know. I mean, I am hesitant. If I was a, and luckily, I guess I'm not a voter in the Anchorage, uh, in the Anchorage uh, uh, municipality, because I've got to say, there's probably only two things that I would vote for here, and that would be the EMS and the fire. Everything else are things that I think we should have been taking care of years ago. Years ago. And by the way, I know that this that the school districts are still sitting on millions of dollars from pandemic relief that they could have. Now, those are probably restricted to certain usages. Maybe they couldn't use them to build a building or renovate other buildings or whatever. But, I mean, 14, 14 roofs in elementary schools. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that a maintenance program would go towards replacing the whole roof. Usually that's a capital improvement. But at some point, you got to start asking yourselves questions like, how much are we figuring that these buildings are costing us as we go forward? This brand new $30 million building, is there a a plan? Is there an outline as to how much that building is going to cost with maintenance and heat and light and power and everything else? Is there an adjusted fiscal note that tells us how much these are going to cost us as we go forward? Would it be better to shuffle those kids around to other schools and maybe let this school, you know, go dark, go fallow? I don't know. But it sure, I mean, these should should be questions that we should be asking ourselves, right? I mean, on top of this, I mean, the, the city, remember, this is all outside of the tax cap. This is all outside of any kind of cap or anything else. This is all oof, oof. And on top of that, <clears throat> you haven't even found out yet, as citizens of Anchorage, you haven't even found out yet how much you're going to be on the hook for what's been going on at the Sullivan Arena. Oh, baby, that's a whole nother thing, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. You know, the homeless shelter out there, it ain't. It ain't been for free, that's for sure. And in fact, it looks like the citizens of Anchorage may be on the hook for quite a bit more than they anticipated. We'll have that and more when we return. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. light our guide and our trusted friend okay in the break good morning to you good morning good morning how are you doing it's great to stay up late good oh that's right Artifacts of a misspent youth right there. A little uh, little Gene Kelly, Don O'Connor. Okay, um, what is going on with you this morning? Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning to everybody I saw there. My dad was there. Welcome to the party, pal. Can't believe it's Monday already, says Rick. <laughs> it does go quick, doesn't it? Sometimes it's like, oh, it's such a nice week. It's such a nice weekend. And then you're like, it's Monday already? Oh, dang. 
All right. Um, Brian's grinding some coffee this morning. Yeehaw. All right. Um, how ridiculous is having to bond a roof, a roof replacement, says Brian. I, exactly. I mean, I... I mean, look, I know that a roof replacement is usually like a capital project. It's not necessarily headed up under deferred maintenance. But, you know, in Fairbanks, we we made the uh, we made the school district create their own maintenance fund where they would put monies aside every year to take care of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> the Anchorage schools have lost a significant amount of students. They don't need bond money. They don't have the students to fill the schools. Well, I mean, that's that's what I'm asking about. I mean, is there enough? Is there an, enough of a drop in the student uh, in the student rate to justify closing one of the schools? And if if that's the one, I mean, roofs eventually fail. It's a known phenomenon. Maybe set a little, set aside a little each month. Safety improvements for the children. Um, fire stations also. These people shuffle money like nobody's business. Friends work there a long time. You quit. They take money from one to give to other areas. Um, good morning from the pit that is Anchorage. I thought our road service in Fairbanks was bad. Just wow. Yeah, the roads in Anchorage are something else, aren't they? I mean, oof. They are brutal in Anchorage right now. The side roads, especially. The main roads, you know, the the, the main roads, not too bad. But the side roads, ooh, man. Uh... See, coffee is a great subject. Someday, a whole show on coffee. That'd be fun. I'm down with that. I'm down with a whole show on coffee. You should, you know, have you ever, I attended a class once on how to drink coffee. I mean, really. Just, I mean, what are the things that stuck out for me from that? Did you know that you're actually supposed to slurp coffee? That by slurping it, you get both the taste and the olfactory the 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 smell of it in there mhm mm yeah love me so i love to slurp some coffee in the morning uh deshana says anchorage roads are unreal never seen it this bad in all my years i'm with you i mean it's i well i mean i busted a rim and a tire the other day on a chuck hole in anchorage that uh was caused by all that rain. It washed out a big part. I mean, it was nasty. Nasty. Mm. Time for a sippy swill. Nothing better than a good... A French press is good. Have you ever had con a coffee concentrate where you make it yourself? That is so good. A pound of coffee to a gallon of water, and you let it steep for a couple days in the fridge. And then you pour it through a filter. You can French press it out or whatever. You can just pour it through a filter. And you've got a coffee concentrate that is so good. Oh, it's so good. You just pour a little hot water, a little boiling water into it. Yeah. So tasty. So tasty. All right. Um, we're going to talk about this and some other things, including who Charlie Pierce has got as his running mate. Teaser. It's Edie Grunewald. But, I mean, we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But we're going to continue to have this discussion about what's going on in Anchorage here for the sport, for a part this morning. And we'll open up the phone lines. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. 
All right. Welcome back to the program. So not only are the people of Anchorage facing all these bond packages, $156 million worth of bond packages to begin with. You know, they may be on the hook for something else. Now, I noticed that this wasn't reported in the ADN, but Suzanne Downing had something on this. You remember the Sullivan Arena? You know, the place where you used to go watch hockey and concerts. I mean, I watched, uh, I think I watched Cirque du Soleil there once. I mean, it was the go-to venue for all that kind of stuff. Well, during the early phases of the uh, COVID pandemic, it became the Emergency Order Homeless Shelter. And in fact, it is now the longest-running COVID Emergency Order Homeless Magnet Shelter in the nation. And the bad part of that is, is that... um, it's now looking like the Anchorage taxpayers are going to be on the hook for a big chunk of that money because apparently FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, has not been reimbursing uh, cities and municipalities across the state for various things. The uh, Sullivan had been turned into a mass shelter by former uh, Mayor Ethan Look at My Butts Berkowitz. Um, I'm sorry, that was uncalled for. Uh, but that's uh, that's where it's been since then. 720 days of room and board for up to 500,000 people. The cost of that, by the way, $200,000 per day. Now, according to the mini, uh, municipality, the assembly authorizes the city to spend nearly $93 million dollars as interfund loans made under the Berkowitz and then Quinn Davidson administrations. And so they spent this stuff and they're awaiting reimbursement from the federal government. And if the federal government says no, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it could be $56 million is what the taxpayers of the city of Anchorage could be on the hook for. $56 million million dollars oh my goodness and they have requested uh suzanne downing over must has got all the charts and everything else they have requested a bunch of monies but only been reimbursed for a portion of it less than 30 million dollars of the 84 million in expenses relating to the covid emergency order have been reimbursed by fema they're spending between 5 and $6 million per month keeping the shelters open on all services related to sheltering and up to $75 million annually to support sheltering, mostly in the Sullivan Arena, according to the Muni. Now, FEMA has been tough on project reimbursements across the nation, not, not just in Anchorage, but in other cities, requesting additional documentation and even turning down some requests for reimbursement. And in uh, other cities, uh, you know, not only in Anchorage, but in other cities, they've been keeping shelters open far past emergency orders. Now, the Muni has been promising to shut down the Sullivan soon. But they have been refusing to work with the current mayor on any kind of viable plan to get it done. I mean, remember when they wanted to go their own route and they wanted to open up some buildings? They lost $50,000 in earnest money when they discovered that one of the buildings that they were looking at would cost way too much to restore. So they lost that 50 grand. 
And then they went, then they bought the one of the hotels, the Best Western Golden Lion, spent $9 million on that. And then all the neighborhoods around him said, whoa, 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 you're going to make a drug treatment center here? Not in my backyard. And today they just own the building. And they were going after another one as well. Uh, but eventually uh, acting mayor Quinn Davidson said that was that she acceded to the demands of the people. But not only could you be facing all these bond, $156 million in bonds, on top of that, you could be on the hook for $56 million for the Sullivan Arena. Denver right now, by the way, also facing some problems. They have a shelter situation where it's going to cost the city close to $32 million. Money's already spent on homeless shelters last year that FEMA is poised to refuse to reimburse. And so, I mean, pay, pay no attention here. No big deal. Sure, go ahead and vote for those bonds. We need those. We need that. That's that's what we need. Go ahead and and I know we may owe this fifty six million dollars, but pay no attention. We'll be. It'll make it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I would not want to live in Anchorage right now. Holy cow. All right, we got some other stories to go on, including uh, the announcement by uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce, who's running for governor. He had his big event here this last weekend down in the Kenai, and he announced his new lieutenant gubernatorial candidate. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But let's go over to the phones on the Pivotel call-in lines at 433-3150 and see what you guys have to say. Good morning. What's going on? Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Hello, Jeff. Sitting down here in the spit. You're talking about the maintenance on the schools and, uh, you know, the roofs and stuff like that. Well, a roof, you know, that has a that has a limit on it. Uh, there's 20 years, 30 years, whatever they put on it. And I don't know where the people, whether they're not using their engineers to tell them, hey, you know, hmm, five years down the road, you need to replace this roof. You know, that's, uh, we've, I've been involved in many construction sites that run them and uh, handled 120 people a day, you know, for a crew and and talked to the townspeople and everybody else. And uh, most of them, you know, we worked with Wooded and Curran out of Maine, and, you know, they already knew what was going on. We put new roofs on, we put this on, we right. redone stuff, put new windows in, they were bad, and it was setting. They kept their, their stuff up. But I, I don't understand Anchorage uh, not knowing that the roofs are bad because the roof is what, I mean, everybody knows. You build a house before you start the inside. You need to put a roof on it, right? Because what does that do? It keeps the rain out and the weather, right? You know, and then you need to side it, put windows in it, and doors. It's all part of your protection. And not knowing that, I think, is the fault of. I've dealt with it uh, with the superintendents and people like that that are tasked with, you know, the upkeep, and ultimately they're they're the ones that are got the budget uh, in the town along with it. You know, not spending that money on what they should have spent it on. And you can look back through their records and see where they spent a whole bunch of money on foolishness where they didn't protect their buildings, you know? Right. And that, I knew that was coming because I've been hearing it here and, and well, it, in everywhere. So let me ask in you. In Alaska for about five years now. Let me ask you, in Maine, were they setting aside money every month or every year for replacing the roof when it went bad, or did they bond for those things? Uh, they, they, would, they would have plenty of money set aside. You know, like like I said, the engineers that they worked with, you know, would come in and, and look it over in, in their inspections. 
okay, the roof is, uh, we just looked it up, the roof's 20 years old, you know, but it wouldn't be then. It would be when it was like 10 years old. They'd be going, mm-hmm, you better be getting ready. you got 10 more years, you know. It was a finite time that they knew those roofs were going to go. And then, and they kept the upkeep on them, too, you know, patched it when they needed to be. We had some right. bad winters. Uh, they had to get snowblowers on the roof to, you know, they had one thing we did away with, uh, eventually was do away with the with the engineers from the south because they were putting flat roofs in, in northern Maine and when you get 10 feet of snow right uh, right you know you literally got big old snow blowers and everything else up there and crews costing them money so you know we had to do a little different but it's it's hard to put anything else for a roof on something like that but the maintenance on the schools were, were done yearly you know and then they did save in in your town councils and your school boards and everybody else and the engineers would get together and say, you know, we need to save this much money by this time, you know, and we even uh, incorporated, we had three schools in one area and we incorporated the school buses. There were two schools right in the same yard almost in uh, uh, the primary and the high school. So they wanted to put in a new bus garage clean across town. And I said, no, I stood up and said, no, you need to put it right over there on that land that you already own. Those school buses don't need to go anywhere but right there because then they're going to go downtown, pick up the other kids, all right, and they go right here. They don't have to take them home at night. They don't have to run them clean across town and burn all that fuel. So that's what they did, saved a ton of money. Right. And in an emergency, you're right on top of two schools with all school buses. Right, you know, exactly. You get, to, you get them out of there. So the, these towns need to learn, especially Anchorage, this is what you do. You know, come up with a plan. Well, like I said, in, in Fairbanks, we created a, a maintenance fund that the school district had to put into so that it could be maintained and these things could be taken care of. I don't know how it's fared since I left, but it was one of the one of the big things that I that I was excited about, uh, you know, that that uh, that, uh, you know, seemed to pull some of that pressure off because we were constantly bonding for things that should have been covered under basic maintenance. And that's just that's just wrong. I mean, you know. You're going to replace carpet in a classroom? You need to do that. You don't need to bond to replace all the carpets in all the classrooms all the time. I mean, it just didn't seem to make any sense. No, and and that's purely on the fault of the people running the schools, the town councils, and and your engineers. That's that's the people that should be taking care of that, and they, you know they should be having a good engineer in there, you know, hardly anything gets built in the state of Maine that's public unless there's an engineer. I, I don't think you can. You have to have a, a good engineer on the project in two or three, you know. Um, I worked with Woodard and Curran, who's, who's the biggest, the best in the state now, and uh, Jim Wilson that worked, started working there with me way back is now the owner of it, and, and he's one of the most fantastic guys and has a good crew. You know, they come in and, and they know what they got to do, but all of our schools up there are way better off than they are here. I can tell you that. There's none of that. We, Northern Maine, we know there's maintenance, you know, because we have hard winters. Uh, you know, when I moved here, everybody said, well, there's moose in the road, there's snow. I said, yeah, big freaking deal. We have deer mixed with that. How do you like that? <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's nothing to us. And, and we're small, way smaller than this place. You know what I mean? Up there. I mean, there's, there's not much population there, but the schools get taken care of and the buses get taken care of, you know. Right. They even trade those out when they need to. You know, there's a lot to this. But, you know, I've seen things like right here. This bus came down here for a while and there was no kid to pick up. The kid moved. He stayed in the boat down here, I think. And I, I don't know if it still does it. I haven't seen it lately. I kind of bitched about it. 
the boss would come down here and shut, and I asked him why. He said, well, we're supposed to come down here, but the kid ain't here no more. Somebody needs to make a decision not to drive the bus down here every day, sit for 10 minutes, and then turn around and go back. Right, you know, exactly. No. Well, I mean, it's you know, a common sense thing, Jeff. Right. It's amazing they call it common. It's so rare. And as long as the state, Kevin McCabe in the chat room just mentions that the state continues to reimburse the bonds, as the state continues to reimburse those bonds at a 70 or 80 or 90% rate, whatever rate they decide on that year, um, I mean, as they continue to do that, it makes it less painful for the for, for, Sure. Go ahead, bill that. I only have to pay 20% of it. I'd love to do that. That'd be fine. Until, of course, then it becomes a crisis when one of the uh, – it becomes a crisis when one of the uh, uh, years happens that the state can't reimburse it, and then all of a sudden everybody's on the hook for it, and they're like, what? Wait a second. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that we're talking about that's driving people crazy. Jeff, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. We are uh, up against the break. We got to continue here. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues up next. Charlie Pierce has announced his running mate. Who is it? We'll tell you when we get back. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Damn, it got hot in here all of a sudden. So warm in the house yesterday, I had to, uh, so warm in the house yesterday, I had to uh, open the doors up for a little bit. Got like 75 degrees in the house with all the sunlight and everything else. Oof. All right. All right. What else we got here? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Jim says, please get the $1,300 from the state first before labeling it as a vote purchase. Buying your votes, I'm assuming he's saying. They do not have to give it to us, especially if you start badmouthing the process based on your own beliefs. Well, I mean, I can badmouth it all I want. Um, I don't know if that's going to make them do it or not. As well, if they gave it out as a PFD supplement, only PFD candidates will receive it. Um, as an energy relief, every resident should get the 1300 Also, where are they getting the recipient list from? That's the problem, Jim, that those monies will only go to PFD recipients from 2021 or 2022. I can't remember which. It's either this, this year's recipients or last year's recipients. He says, basing it on the PFD list is wrong unless it's a PFD supplement. Get the money first, praise the legislature, then bash them. You certainly look like you want that backer. You, you certainly look like you want that baker's dozen every time. I don't know exactly what that means. But the bottom line is is hey, we got to we got to do we got to do, man. Uh if I'm going to I'm going to call a spade a spade not because I want the money. Uh because, you know, I I'm doing it because I think it's right. The liberal anchor school board doesn't know how to make a budget. They barely know how to breathe. Okay. Um 
sound, says Barbara. I don't know. Is there a problem with the sound, Barbara? Got a problem? Got my got my headset all messed up in my stuff there. Okay, there we go. That's better. Oh. Whew. Okay. Uh, the problem with setting aside money is that it become too tempting for politicians. We put that uh, – we actually had considered that, and it has to be a vote specifically on a specific size, and it could only be used on maintenance and uh, everything else, Brian. We, 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 did it, we did our best on that. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens there. All right. Um, what else are you guys talking about this morning? Anchorage is like taking out nine credit cards and maxing them out, planning on feds to roll in and pay for all the fun times. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is the golden lion for sale? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just sitting there right now. They spent all that money on it. And now they're like, hmm, man, we got this building and now we can't do what we wanted to do with it. So what are we going to do now? (laughs) Oh, man. Oof. All right. Um, what else? Los Anchorage blew through the COVID money and now citizens have to pay for the homeless. Yep. That's pretty much what it comes down to. I mean, homelessness has become a huge issue. I mean, again, 700 people. What was the number? 700 people. And they're spending. I'm looking for the number here to make sure that I don't misquote it. Uh, 720 days of room and board for 500 people, up to 500 people, costs us $200,000 a day, according to municipal sources. Clients are fed from restaurants around town, such as Humpy's, at the cost of $46 per day per client. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. $200,000 a day. On top of that, they have uh, not been kind to the facilities. Let's just put it that way. Um, they said that um, uh, this is the quote from the uh, this is the quote from the must read. Those knowledgeable of the situation say that eighty percent of the people using the thirty two thousand square foot arena to shelter at night are drug and alcohol abusers with no motivation or intention of cleaning up their lives regardless of the services that have been offered at the service desk. Okay. I mean, you could take that or leave that. But they also say the facility has been significantly damaged and will cost millions of dollars to restore. For example, the plumbing has been clogged by clothing and other items being shoved down the toilets, which are now unusable. (sighs) I mean, what? (laughs) Jeez, Louise. What what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. Well... We'll uh, we'll see what that uh, we'll see what that uh, is going on. All right, we're thirty seconds out right now. If you guys would be kind enough to like and share this video, if you like it, if you don't like it, don't like it, get angry. But if you'd like it, share, and if you'd like it, follow the show page. That would be great. And of course, if you're on YouTube this morning, if you would uh, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell, that would be fantastic as well. Let's get back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. What's going on? You guys ready to continue? Phone lines are open here this morning at 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line if you'd like to sound off this morning. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And look who showed up in the chat room. I was going to make this announcement, and I teased it earlier. Charlie Pierce announced his new running mate for lieutenant governor down in Kenai this weekend. And uh, lo and behold, she her ears must have been burning because she just showed up in the chat room. Edie Grunewald has been tapped for lieutenant governor for Mayor Charlie Pierce's campaign uh, down on the Kenai. Now, she spent 31 years in the military, retiring at the rank of colonel. She's a master's degree in business organizational management and strategy national security and military and uh she is uh she's also a certified firearms instructor uh it's good to see her uh in the chat room and it's good to see her out on the trail and the ticket this is uh, i think this is a good i think this is a good pull she ran for lieutenant governor during the 2018 election and narrowly lost to lieutenant governor kevin meyer so it uh it's good to see her uh, it's good to see her out there so Edie, welcome to the chat room thanks for coming in and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that this, uh, I think you guys make a great team, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can bring to the table uh, here as we go forward on that. So Edie Grunwald, trap, uh, tapped, trapped. She's trapped for lieutenant governor, tapped for lieutenant governor by uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce uh, at that big event, and I think that makes some sense. Uh, I think that that's some good stuff. And see, we did hear him say she before he covered it back up. We were we were all analyzing that so hard after visiting with Charlie Pierce last week. Did he did he did he step in it before he started saying they and them? He said she. Is that did he just? Oh, he did. Okay, that's that's how it is. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some great things out of the uh, Pearson Grunewald ticket. Um, I think that will. Uh, I, I think that's going to be good, um, and I hope that uh, they get uh, they make it into the final four there and uh, get a chance to uh, get a chance to be voted on in the rank choice rank choice voting um, uh, scenario that we're going to be facing uh, come this November which is and this is going to be really interesting now you know what's going to make it even more interesting is the fact that uh, apoc has now basically, thrown their hat thrown their their they they thrown in the towel have you seen this apoc made an announcement on thursday that said that said instead of raising the $500 per year limit because that was rejected remember that was ruled unconstitutional by a ninth circuit court of appeals back in july that was the alaska limit at that point was $500 per per year and instead of doubling that or tripling that, in some cases quadrupling it to an enorm- to, to a normal amount, the commission was like, okay, well, wait a second. The legislature hasn't ruled and weighed in on this in years, and really this should be a legislative position, not something that an appointed commission should make the decision on. And so instead, I mean, they did have a vote in front of them where they were going to vote for $1,500, but... They couldn't get enough votes to make it happen on the committee. And basically, all of the committee members acknowledged that it sure would be nice to have the legislature weigh in on this. 
And so instead of making a decision and upping the cap, they just eliminated it. They just blew, they just blew it up. They just said, nope, no limit. No limit on campaign contributions to a, uh, to a candidate or an entity. Uh, candidates can now collect unlimited donations. And uh, apparently we're one of, uh, I guess, 12 states that are doing that with no limits. Um, they cite in the article in the ADN, they cite Oregon as one of the um, states that has, uh, that has been facing that. And they said uh, they've been trying for nearly two decades to reinstate caps invalidated by the state Supreme Court. And that has resulted in actions like uh, wealthy donors, like uh, the Nike co-founder, giving millions of dollars to gubernatorial candidates. Many of those who are opposed to the open no-limit scenario has said it's been a disaster with big money dominating Oregon. And really, this is one of the things that I have said in the past that, remember, when they talked about ballot proposition number two, they said, oh, it's a cheap date. It's a cheap date. Alaska's a cheap date. Remember, they only spent $7 million to convince us that ballot measure number two, the ranked choice voting, was the way to go. Right? Only $7 million in this state, which is cheap in comparison. And uh, this guy from Portland... A Portland-based attorney working on a campaign to institute new limits said he thinks Alaska is particularly vulnerable to the corrupting influence of money given its small population and its multi-billion dollar oil industry. Unlimited contributions are going to lead to, just like we've seen in the Oregon legislature, big money being uh, really being able to stymie good policy. If you guys go to super high limits, you're going to see bad public policy as, as a result, and you're going to have elected officials who are more beholden to big money interests up there. Well, and again, we've already seen how that can how that can happen. Now, there are some bills there are some bills in the legislature that are addressing that, including uh Shreggy um has got a bill right now that would uh, set the limit at I think $2,000 if I'm not mistaken. Uh it would set the limit at $2,000 and it would uh, provide for a once uh, per decade adjustment for inflation. Calvin Schrege is the one that's got that out in committee right now. But of course, even if it gets through the House and the Senate, the governor is quoted in this article as saying um, he is for more freedom rather than less freedom. He said when asked if he would, uh, uh, it was asked, he said in a phone interview on Friday, he thinks political donors should be able to contribute as much as they want, provided that the candidate also has to dis- to disclose where their money came from. You know me. I'm the guy that wants people to be able to drive four-wheelers on the road. I'm a freedom guy. My tendency is to just let people do what they want in campaign finance law as long as it's disclosed and it's accurate. So will we, would, the governor, would the governor veto it? I don't know. The bill for Shreggy has already uh, apparently gone through a portion of the House. Uh, Mike Schauer, who chairs the Senate committee with the jurisdiction over campaign finance, says he expects to hold hearings on it in the coming weeks. He said, I'm interested in it. I'd like to stop all the dark money from coming into the state from anywhere else. 
Um, and uh, But Dunleavy says uh, he doesn't think lawmakers will have time to pass the legislation. He's not convinced that the level of the donation limit makes much of a difference either. So I don't know. What, is it, what does it mean? I mean, I'm a little leery. I mean, but again, I'm torn because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm also the freedom guy, right? I'm the guy that says there should be more freedom, not less freedom. The problem is, is that we saw what happened when the powers that be and those that wanted to change Alaska got their hands on the tiller and, uh, you know, reached into their money bags and, and started slinging that money around. We saw what happened. Millions of dollars. Um, Representative McCabe says, check APOC and see how much money those who are for a certain limit have. Easy to limit the incoming money when you already have tens of thousands of dollars in the bank. Uh, Dunleavy, of course, uh, you'll remember he received a bunch of money from, uh, was it Bob Penny and his brother? He didn't receive it directly. It went through a PAC uh, instead. Um, but he, I guess he could get it directly now. That's, uh, you know. It could it could happen. Uh, he could take he could get those monies uh, he could get those monies directly. But um, anyway, I, I I don't know. I'm torn on this. I really am. I don't like to, and I think because I think donating money is free speech. But at the same time, if we let money rule the whole thing, oh, I'm so torn on this. I mean, yeah, I I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm, a, I'm a little concerned. Again, the race, race for governor is now. You know, when the race for governor becomes a million dollar job, not in the, not in what the governor's paid, but you know, when the, when the cost of running for governor is many, many multiples of the annual salary of the job, at some point you got to start asking the question like, why? Why? Um, the other question is, should it be restricted simply to Alaskans? Maybe that's, although I don't know how that, uh, I don't know how that interferes with the, uh, I don't know if that runs afoul of the, of the U.S. Constitution or not. But I would, I, would, I would make the argument, if we were going to do anything, that it should be just Alaskans who can contribute in that regard. I just don't know. It's just such a hard, it's such a hard thing because like I said, I'm all for free speech and I do believe that donating money to the campaign of your choice is free speech. But if you just open the floodgates, oof, oof, this is bad. This is bad, bad. You imagine it costing 10 or $15 million to run a campaign for governor. I mean, I mean, that's not what it is now, but I mean, when you've got when you've got contributions in the millions of dollars, it definitely makes it a little easy. I mean, as a radio guy, hey, I'm all excited about that. Look at all that advertising money. But as a libertarian, as a small L libertarian, I'm like, oh, that ow, mm, uh, yeah, just it's it's making me feel. It's making me feels all the feels. Um, all right. We got to go. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Stephanie Taylor, candidate for Municipal Assembly, is up next. We're going to talk with her about all the stuff we just kind of dissected in the Anchorage area. We'll see what she has to say about that. 
And we'll be back with more right after this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. Um, <laughs> sounds like Dunleavy wants some campaign contributions. Well, I mean, yeah. The disclosure is going to be part of the argument after Citizens United. Do we want the candidates to have more and have it disclosed, or do we want an independent expenditure groups to have more and not have it disclosed? I mean, I guess I could make the argument you're right. I mean, independent expenditure groups... Their reporting is they only have to report the top three contributors, right? And they don't have to they don't have to keep detailed records. And um, I I I agree. I mean, it would be nice to see full disclosures of uh, everything that's uh, of going on. Where's the money coming from? And oof is the word of the day, Brian. Is oof the word of the day? Oof, yes. Oof is the word of the day. And then he says, cue Lord Acton. Lord Acton, by the way, power corrupts and absolute power, power corrupts absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um. Part of the Ninth Circuit ruling was to end limits that have been in place for out-of-state donations. Yeah, so I don't know, man. This is so to me. This is just it's a it's a hard it is a hard choice. I'm I'm really going to have to think about that because again, while I applaud and and want people to be able to participate, is their participation without end, or is it just that we make sure that we have to? Uh, you know, that we have to uh, disclose and to basically, uh, you know, to disclose and enumerate where the monies are coming from. It's a difficult decision. It really is. Um, I can't make a decision on it right this second. I got to think about that a little bit more. I got to think about that just a little bit more because, again, I want people to be able to have free speech, but I also don't want outside interests to come in here and try and rule the state of Alaska or woo the state of Alaska with all that money. Remember, they get one of the gals, one of the multi-gazillionaires that was behind the whole ballot proposition number two thing, her comment was is that Alaska is a cheap date. And it's a truth. It's a truism. Very small population, very large geographic area, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of outlets for advertising and everything else. And so just a few million dollars can make a real difference in this state. And um, I think it's a, I think it's troubling to say the least. So I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to knee jerk it. I'm going to have to think about it. Um, all right. Well, we're getting ready to come up into hour two here. We're about three and a half minutes away from that, and I believe that we have our guest on the line uh, for the next hour, and that would be Stephanie Taylor, who is a candidate for Anchorage Assembly in District Five. Uh, she joins us, I think, right now. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on board. I appreciate it. Um, we're just—it's just you and me and 50 of our closest friends on Facebook, and 
another 10 or 20 or so on YouTube. So we're just we're hanging out in the commercial break, just you and me right now. Okay, that sounds good. Good, good. So we're going to get to you here in just a hot second. And uh, this morning we have already covered the discussion on the bond proposals. And uh, we've talked about the potential fallout of the um, uh, FEMA reimbursements for the Sullivan Arena, how uh, we could be on the hook, or, or Anchorage, I guess, not me because I don't live there, but uh, Anchorage could be on the hook for another $56 million. So if we may tackle those throughout the discussion this morning as well. Okay, I'm uh, not super up on my bond proposals. I haven't done my homework yet, but okay. I will. Okay, all right, good. Well, we'll talk about them here and maybe just in some general ideas as well. Okay. Uh, and then we'll see what you got to go. So uh, hold the line for me a second. Just hang out in my virtual green room and drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts, and we'll be right back to you, okay? okay. All right, I took all the calories out of them just for you. Uh, but don't don't eat the chocolate crullers. Everybody knows I love the chocolate crullers, so don't eat those. All right, um, let me go back over here. We don't need out-of-state donations. It only hurts our state. If Alaska keeps going, it is now going to be turned into the left coast, says Warren. Money is the root of all evil, says Jack. Uh, Jack, the full quote is, the love of money is the root of all evil. I'll just have you know, I just want to be for clarification. It's not money that's the root of all evil. Money is neither good nor evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Alaska needs to start owning media and coming together to organize for fair elections and fair coverage regardless of outside money, says Jonathan. We're not the damn cheap date. We're the lady in the hot red dress they need to recognize. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But I would, I, would, I would have to – I'd hate to disagree with you, Jonathan, but I think right now we are the cheap date. That's for sure. I mean, they just proved that. I mean, only a campaign that puts on a $7 million campaign with ads like – do you want to take dark money out of politics? Take dark money out of politics by voting for ballot pressure number two, paid for by dark money. I mean, that's only only they could get away with that, right? With that kind of when they're pumping that kind of money in there, talking about how they're going to get rid of dark money, except for the dark money that they're pumping into the campaign. I mean, only you know, come on, we are a cheap date right now. There's no two way. There's no two ways about that. We are a cheap date. Maybe it'll change again. I haven't decided. I haven't. I haven't decided yet where which direction I want to go on this. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to decide what's going on. Okay, uh, we are about to uh, come back into it here. We got more coming up. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. If you haven't liked and followed the show page on Facebook yet, you need to. You'll get notifications when we go live every morning. You can do the same thing if you're on YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button and ring the bell, and you'll get notified. Like and share for both platforms. Share, share, share. Let's get more Alaskans involved in the conversation. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. 
It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you can pick us up there, on the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch TV, and of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome back to the program, hour two of the big radio broadcast. We've been covering headlines, taking some phone calls, and talking about things that are going on around the state, uh, and now we're into hour two. So we're going to jump into this and start talking about uh, start talking about it with our guest uh, here in hour two. It's going to be Stephanie Taylor, who is a candidate for Anchorage Assembly uh, in uh, in District Five, which is the seat that is currently being held by uh, uh, currently being held by Forrest Dunbar. You've probably heard his name around here. Nope, no hissing and booing. No hissing and booing. We're going to get into that. Uh, but we're going to talk with Stephanie Taylor about all the stuff that's going on in her campaign and why she's decided to uh, run for this office. And we start right now welcoming her to the program. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on board. So I guess the first question is, I mean, we want to know who you are, where you are, where you came from. But I guess my first burning question for you is, what exactly did you lose your mind? I'm still, the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the question that I, I mean, I like to ask that question to new, uh, to new candidates because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's intimidating. There's a lot of stuff going on. And the question is, you know, was it, was it a single thing that like, was there a, was there a, 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 a firebrand moment where all of a sudden you're like, that's it, I'm doing it. Or was it, you know, one piece of straw at a time until the camel's back finally broke? I think it was probably the latter. It's something that, um, it's been on my mind for probably 10 years or more, but it's never been verbalized. I mean, I've never said it to anybody for, for many years, um, running for Anchorage Assembly. But I think I started getting more involved in local politics about 2010 or so. And um, I think just kind of watching the erosion over these last couple of years was part of the catalyst. And then things in my life personally changed. Um, some of my responsibilities that I had had, were no longer there. Um, I was more available, and it was something I could do. There were people who felt like I had the best chance out of the others that were looking at running in East Anchorage. Um, so it was a it was a combination of a lot of things, and knowing that I would have um, some help to get started was a big factor. Right. Um, it is a daunting prospect for oh, sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and no more so than in Anchorage right now. As you mentioned, the last couple of years. Things have really, uh, I mean, I've been watching Anchorage politics for the last seven years since I moved down to the South Central area. And I can tell you, I mean, the pendulum has swung way out of bounds from where it was when I first started uh, yeah. and watching it. And uh, I mean, it, it's got to be a, I mean, that, that's got to be a big factor in what's going on. Yeah, that is a big factor. I think, um, and I think that's probably one of the positives that came out of all the COVID crazy is it really exposed our leadership for who they really are and what they really want to do. Um, hard times don't don't change you. They make you more of what you already are. And what we saw happen in our city, we didn't see this happen in other cities in Alaska. Um, other cities, they, they did the two weeks, 
And then they started to come back to reality and realize we got to make this work. In Anchorage, they just doubled down on bad policies. And even though things kept getting worse for businesses, they weren't releasing that CARES Act money, right. whatever. Um, it just it just decimated our city. And I feel like at this point, and this is something that people have echoed, we are being ruled, not served. Right. That's what the assembly is trying to do. Well, and I think you, you make a valid point when you look at the actions of the assembly. They wanted to keep things close to the vest. They wanted to keep things secret. They wanted to exclude people from conversations. They wanted to... Uh, dictate how things were done. They wanted to break city code right, uh, right. by by leaving a <laughs> leaving a seat vacant for however many months. And I mean, it was you know action after action after action. Pretty soon, even somebody like me on the outside looking in is going, "Well, that just ain't right. Something is no. just not going right." No, it's not right. It's not right. I think people are fired up, and I think um, there is a groundswell in Anchorage right now of people that want to change. There are five seats that are on the ballot this year. I think we could we could we could take them all. There's there's that much frustration, mm-hmm. um, and it's all over the city. The only district that is not impacted by this election is downtown, right? It, which is getting, I guess, more seats now and everything there's else. Of an additional seat, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's some of the stuff that's going on is pretty crazy. Uh, but let's get a little bit of your background here. Now that I kind of did things out of order, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Stephanie Taylor and uh, who you are, where you are, where you came from. Give us some of your background. Um, you know, I have lived in Anchorage. It's been my hometown since 1970. The Air Force um, transferred my father here in 1970. It was his last change of station before he retired. And my parents loved it, and so we stayed. Um, I graduated from Diamond High School, Diamond Mears, <laughs> and then I went on to college in Seattle. I got my Bachelor of Arts degree at Seattle Pacific University. And I've been back in Alaska permanently since 1985. Um I met my husband in 1989, and we were married. I moved on to the east side at that time. So I've been an East Anchorage resident for the last 32 years. Um, We have five kids. Our oldest is 29. Our youngest is about to turn 18, so that means he can vote for me next month, (laughs) which is pretty exciting. Right. And um, we have homeschooled our kids all the way through. So that's what I've spent the last 30 years doing, raising our kids and homeschooling. And I've done a lot of volunteer work. I've volunteered for organizations, political campaigns, a lot of different groups over the years. And it's funny because I'm used to being the worker bee. And so it's it's really different being in this position and having people do that for me. Right. Um, it's very humbling. And um, I, I will say I have the most incredible support, the most sacrificial and generous volunteers and donors. Um, This journey has been amazing because of the great people that I've met. Um, I diverted, but I had to get that in there. Yeah. Um, So lived here for a long time, done a lot of um, volunteer work, working on campaigns and worked on several campaigns in 2020, and then I was on the No On Two campaign. I was working on that one, and um, and then last year I worked on the um, on the mayor's campaign. Right. So I've done a lot of stuff over the years, and just the stuff that's been happening in our city. It's like no, we can't do it anymore. We can't have it anymore. Forrest Dunbar, in particular, um, I think he needs to be challenged and stopped. He ran for Congress. Um, that was his first time when he ran against Don Young. That was quite a few years ago. Did not win that seat. Then he went to the Assembly. This would be his third term on the Assembly. Right. He ran for mayor last year. Thankfully, we do not have a Dunbar administration in Anchorage. 
he is a career politician. We have to change his trajectory because he's being groomed for higher office. Right. So um, that, to me, is serious. I don't, you know, I get on these little rants, so stop me if I go crazy. <laughs> but um, these career politicians, they just lose touch with reality. They get so consumed by the power. And you look at all the stuff that's going on in Washington, all of the people who've been there for decades. That was never the way it was intended, you right. know, when this country was, was first started. Right. They just lose touch. Citizen legislators is what we were looking for. And instead, like you said, we get these yeah. career politicians who make it a, I mean, you know, even, even I've, I've criticized even Don Young, 49 years. Okay, at some point you've got to groom a successor and move on. <laughs> You know, right. you know, because yeah. it, it's crazy. Um, let's. The, you said it was you know straw upon straw. What was the final straw that made Stephanie say, you know what, that's it. I'm pulling the bandaid off, and we're going to jump into this. What was the final straw for you? Um, I think it was just realizing that um, I had talked with enough people who you know were willing to help me get this thing going, and there was no reason at that point not to step out of the boat because you know that was probably the last piece. And, um, you know, it's like, there's no reason to say no. I, there was no reason. And um, we talked with our family, mixed reviews, but um, overall we felt like this was what we were being called to do. I'm talking we, my husband and me. Um, and so, yeah, we just said it's time. we got to pull the trigger because if not now, when? And, and, and the time is now that, that I'm really needed. Right. So, um, you know, I've got... Um, I, it was funny because I was looking ahead and like, okay, what's next for me? You know, my son's about to graduate. I'm done with homeschooling. What's going to be my next thing? I had stepped down from a volunteer position I'd held for four years. Um, just it was time to change. You know, you need new blood. You need right. new ideas. You need new energy. That's what we need on our assembly. That's right. what we need in our local leadership. Because you get new people in there. They come from a different perspective. They've got innovative and different ideas. And they've been monkeying around with some of these issues, homelessness for one thing, for years. They've had the supermajority. They've had the city hall. Yet they haven't really been able to do anything to really make any advances toward resolving this issue it's exploded right well and, and so, yeah i mean i and i want to get into that because you have issues up on your website uh stephanie4ak.com is the website yeah. by the way and your three issues are number one homelessness number two reinvesting in downtown and number three taxes homelessness taking up that top issue up there um i mean it's it's been a thing we were just talking about how potentially uh, according to uh, Suzanne Downing over a must read, if for some reason FEMA decides not to reimburse the city and they right. have been not reimbursing cities across the country for certain things, right, right. Then the city could be on the hook for another $56 <laughs> million just on the Sullivan Arena stuff alone. I know. Um, I mean, this is a huge issue, Stephanie. I mean, how do yeah. we do this with how do we do this with compassion? And yet, at the same time, you know, provide for these people, but do it compassionately, but do it in a way that is, you know, sustainable and fixable, that fixes the problem instead of just exacerbates it. Well, I think what we have to realize is we're not looking for long-term shelter. We are looking for long-term solutions to help transition these people into productive lives. And... Um, I look at places like what Beans Cafe was doing, what the Hope Center is doing, what the um, Anchorage Gospel Rescue Mission has been doing. 
they have been transitioning people. They have systems in place where they, you know, they've got rules, okay? You've got to get people treatment for whatever their issue is. If it's drugs or alcohol or if it's mental health, you've got to deal with that issue first. And then you've got to start giving people skills. People need training. A lot of people don't even have basic life skills, Michael. Um, you know, it's easy to feel like everybody comes, you know, everybody has the same experience. And, and that's just not reality. Some people come from backgrounds that are very different from you and me um, that haven't had training, haven't had parents, haven't had just basic life skills. You got to brush your teeth every day. You got to do laundry. You got to, you know, they don't know how to maintain a home. They don't know how to keep a job and get up every day and just those basic things. And so we've got to kind of start at square one and figure out where people are at, what are their needs. And, you know, if we could model what these agencies have been doing and do it on a larger scale, we could make a difference. But what we're doing right now and um, just this long-term shelter and giving people the choice if they want to get help, there's got to be some incentives. There's got to be some tough love where people are not just getting handout after handout because when something is free, it has no value. Right. People don't appreciate it. Right. And They've got to have some skin in the game, as Felix Rivera would say, and um, they have to be accountable. We can have compassion, but honestly, the meaning of compassion is alleviating suffering. Right. We're not doing that. We are allowing well, people to self-destruct. Well, and that's part of my problem. I mean, I've always found the homelessness issue to be very complex and very problematic because Again, while I have compassion, you know, people also want to, they want to, they have to want to be helped, right? They have to want to get better. Uh, And you mentioned, and you mentioned if we could pattern ourselves after certain agencies. I mean, I've often asked, show me a city where they've solved the homelessness problem and let's, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, emulate that instead of, instead of, uh, we seem to be emulating Seattle, which is not, they haven't fixed their homeless problem at all, or Portland. I mean, no. that's who we seem to be emulating instead of finding a community that has fixed the problem. And I think that's a, I think that's a big part. Uh, I think it's a big part of the issue. And I'd like to go into that a little bit more here, but we've got more uh, coming up here. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we're talking with Stephanie Taylor, candidate for the Anchorage Assembly. We're up against the break right now. We're going to come back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can always check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, if you'd like to come out and join us in the chat room. Uh, that's uh, up and available right now as we uh, as we uh, simulcast the show on the interwebs. We'll return with Stephanie Taylor right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now, commercial break. Uh, We got about uh, four minutes or so here to chat with uh, Stephanie. And Stephanie, if you're not a listener to the show, we normally uh, change gears during the commercial break just so we don't repeat ourselves when we come back to the radio. So we'll pick up the question of homelessness uh, when we get back uh, on the other side here. But first and foremost, I'd just like to say congratulations um, as a a homeschooling mom of five kids. That's uh, 
That's quite an accomplishment. Uh, my wife and I homeschooled all five of our children as well, and uh, she does a yeoman's job of taking care of that stuff. It's uh, it's never as easy as some people seem to think it is, but it's still better, I think, in the long run for all those kids. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm making some tea. Is that okay? Yeah, I go, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Tea, make tea while we're talking. That's fine. Yeah, it's funny because I think it wasn't until our kids started graduating from college that I started feeling affirmed as a homeschool mom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is, It is. you know, it is, it's a big deal, but um, I look back and, man, we had so many different opportunities, so many great um, organizations, and, you know, I have three that were close together. Right now they're 27, 28, and 29. And, um, and then I have a 23-year-old and then my, my almost 18-year-old. And so it, it changed through the years because the first three kind of did everything together. And it's just kind of neat to look back and think about, man, yeah, they did have some cool experiences. You yeah. Know? No, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing even if my kids came out of the bottom of the barrel, which they didn't. But even if they had, just the fact that they were there and they could learn together and what a what a tremendous uh, opportunity that was there. Uh, How many children do you have? I have five children as well. Okay. So. Yeah, and mine are twenty-seven to seventeen, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, twenty-eight, I guess, twenty-eight to seventeen now. So, um, it's uh, it we we run very similar paths, parallel paths, I guess, as far as that goes. So, um, we're we're happy to have it. Um, I you know I, I I asked you this before, but I'll ask it again. Was I, I I'm because I'm always interested. I mean, what was you know, and you 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 didn't give me a complete um, a complete answer as to what what was that straw moment? I mean, was it was it one of the shutdowns? Was it the was it the the, the masking? What was the final thing that you said? No, 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 no. I'm stepping in. I, I just I want to know. The reason I didn't say it, Michael, is because I don't want it to be perceived the wrong way. Um, because I'm not in this to be a, a, a rubber stamp. But right. The mayor, the mayor asked me to run. Okay. And I've known the mayor for quite a number of years. Um, I've known the Bronsons for probably 10 or 15 years because they used to homeschool as well. So we met right. through homeschooling. Right. And I kind of walked that journey of the campaign with them. Um, and so just talking with him on and off during the campaign, really not feeling sure. I'll tell you, one of the things that was the hardest for me to get past was canvassing. Right. Um, knowing that I was going to have to do that. That was a mountain. And I went out and did it a couple of days for a day by myself, and it was really more about me than about him. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was a big piece. Canvassing, um, uh, canvassing is definitely a, an interesting situation. Um, yeah. You know, to go out and meet the people face-to-face, it can be nerve-wracking, but it could also be, um, you know, it could also be very reaffirming. And, I, I mean, I found that when I went out and uh, when I ran yeah. for assembly and I did the same thing. Yeah, um, now it's nothing, but at the time it was it was daunting. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You don't you don't know you don't know what's going on. Well, I think the mayor needs more. I mean, he needs more allies. That's it yeah. for sure. And if that's the thing that bumps you across, then that's what. Uh, I mean, I think that that's the I think that's the important part. Right. Uh, uh, let me go back. Need, to, I'm sorry. We need balance. Yeah, we definitely need balance. I mean, it needs to come back uh, over thing. Let me go back to the chat room here. Uh, Sean says Anchorage was uh, started to slide down the hill over 15 years ago. 
uh, which, I mean, like I said, I've only seen it the last seven years, and that's been enough for me. And then somebody, oh, Kathleen says, Charlotte, North Carolina has dealt with creative ideas about the homeless problem. So I'm always looking for, I'm always looking for um, places that have done well and uh, and bring that information out. I'd like to see that. So hold the line with me, Stephanie. We're going to get back into the homelessness issue. Uh, we're about uh, 25 seconds out right now. Folks, if you'd like, uh, share, like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. And uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and ring the bell on YouTube. And uh, just share it from wherever you're at. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. The Michael Duke Show. That's right. It's a beach party in here. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Luke Show. Stephanie Taylor is our guest candidate for Anchorage Assembly. Stephanie4ak.com is the uh, website address if you'd like to find out uh, more about her issues and things. We were just talking about her issues. Uh, Number one was homelessness, and we were looking for some solutions and, uh, you know, finding a way to do this. So, I mean, Stephanie, give us an idea. I mean, where do you start on this? This is a big problem to try and get a handle on. How do you, you know, what's what's your what's your first step in in trying to address the homelessness issue uh, in Anchorage, in your opinion? Well, I think you know, as an assemblywoman, you got to kind of come to the table and say, okay, <clears throat> excuse me, what can we all agree on? I think we can all agree that the homeless situation is a problem. It's a big problem. I think we can all agree that what we have been doing is not working. And then start there. You know, because you got 11 people, everybody's got different opinions, different plans, quote-unquote, if you will. And um, so how are we going to attack this? What are we going to do? Because we've got to get out of the Sullivan Arena. We know that. We are spending millions and millions and millions, and we're getting nothing back from that. It's like making an investment in a black hole. Right. Because we're not changing lives. And somehow we have to get past this notion that, you know, because we're doing something that matters and we have good intentions. No, there's no, there's no results. So we have to stop thinking that way. Um, and I think you're right. Like what you said, we, there are plenty of cities that have done this successfully. And so we can, we can pattern things after what they have done. Much bigger cities than Anchorage. And they don't have some of the, you know, with our weather, that poses some huge safety issues for people that are on the street. Right. You know, people are having limbs and toes and fingers amputated because of frostbite. And um, it's heartbreaking. These are, these are people's family members, brothers and sisters and children and fathers and uncles and aunts. These are people who have people who love them, even if they're so frustrated with them that they don't want to talk to him anymore. But we have to get the humanity back into it and realize we are dealing. This is we need to love our neighbors. This is a really practical way that we need to love our neighbors. Right. Well, and we need to find a way not to incentivize homelessness. I mean, I think that's really the bottom line here is that we need to, you know, it's the teach a man, you know, give a man a fish versus teach a man to fish kind of thing. You've got to you got to find a way to make it so that it's not an attractive lifestyle. We shouldn't be paying them to do these things kind of thing. And I'm, I'm, you know, because I read somewhere, is there some way, maybe it was a comment that somebody made, but, you know, a lot of these people are getting um, 
various checks from the government every month, you know, because they say that the shelter population drops a little bit at the beginning of every month. Right. Because all this money, they're going to hotels, whatever. Is there some way to garnish some of that for the services they're getting? Is there some way to work with Native corporations who villages are sending people into Anchorage for medical care or because they don't want them in the villages anymore, but to to help to subsidize some of these costs by some of these other organizations or these other monies that they're getting? Yeah. Well, and to create, a, you know, my problem, I think, personally, is that I see this, what we're seeing in some of these communities and some of these places like Seattle and other places that we've mentioned, is that they've created a homelessness industry. Basically, yeah. businesses springing up around, you know, serving that, and, and it, it behooves them to keep the, those services going in some ways. I'm not saying that, that anybody is, uh, you know, actively attempting that, but in the long run, that's the practical application of it, and I think that's the problem. We need, a, we need, we need, we need, ask, we need uh, access to more mental health facilities and other things for some of these people because, obviously, they've got issues that are much deeper than simply being out of a job right. um, or not being able to, to do that or, or a substance abuse issue. There are deeper issues there. Yeah, that's definitely true. And with all the money that we're spending, if, if we could figure out a way to, um, you know, put that money into resources that are actually going to help people. Um, so it's complicated, Michael, and I don't have all the answers. I don't even know all the questions, but I know that we've got to do something. And leaders lead. You know, yeah. that's one thing I will say about our mayor. He came in to this office with a plan. That's way more than our assembly, our former mayor, had done. Right, exactly. And, and and so leaders are the ones who get out there in front. They're willing to take the arrows, and he's taken a lot of them. Um, and, you know, but you've got to do something. And it may not be the right thing, then you try again. But you can't just sit on your hands afraid that, you know, somebody won't like you. Because at the end of the day, as an elected okay. official, there is going to be somebody out there that doesn't like everything you do. Sure. <laughs> Well, that's the art of compromise in the end. Right. Every, everybody's a little bit unhappy. Uh, right. let's, let's talk about number two on your issue list, because this ties neatly into the homelessness issue, and that's your reinvestment into downtown. Um, and you talk about how that was exacerbated, the whole situation, by COVID restrictions and everything else. And prior to that, the homelessness issue was a big deal in downtown. We had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of complaining uh, from uh, anecdotally from some of the tourists and, and businesses who were dealing with them down there. Uh, so what is this reinvestment in downtown that you talk about? Well, I think it, it really does start with dealing with the homeless issue. <clears throat> We've got, um, because I think that's what drove a lot of people away, that they weren't going downtown as much um, because you couldn't you couldn't walk through downtown without being approached or f- people feel unsafe. That's not to say that because someone is experiencing homelessness that they're, they're dangerous, but they can make people feel unsafe because if you're under the influence of something or if you're having mental health issues, you're unpredictable. And um, it makes people feel uncomfortable and unsafe. So we're not going to have tourists that are going to want to walk in the downtown corridor and visit the shops that are down there if they don't feel safe doing it. So I think that's a big first step. And then getting businesses opened again. We've got how many, I don't know if you've been to Anchorage recently, but there are literally boarded-up buildings in this town all over the place, especially downtown. And so we've got to get more business back back downtown, you know, and part of it, too, is dealing with the workforce. 
because things were shut down for so long. Right. People were on unemployment for so long. Now they don't want to go back to work. So a lot of these um, shops and bars and restaurants, if you will, are struggling with, um, they can't even be open as much as they would like to because they can't staff. Well, the people, yeah, and people made decisions to change. Right. I mean, I had several friends that work in the hospitality industry that said, you know, I'm done with that. I'm not going back to that. And they went out and they got jobs in other uh, right. other sectors because they're like, exactly. you know, on top yeah. of everything else, we had no, it would be up and down and we didn't know. And so I think that there's definitely an issue, not just of the uh, unemployment, but also the fact that this was the great change. I mean, this really, the whole COVID thing really opened up a lot of people's eyes to saying, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Right, right. Yeah, that is definitely a factor. And that, you know, people innovate, people change, people find new industry, or they come up with a, a way to start their own business. But um, we've got to, you know, there's been talk about, um, I believe it is the bus the bus depot downtown. Um, they're supposed to be redoing that, putting in apartments and some housing in there. And, you know, if you can get more people living downtown, then there's more of a need. Um, it's interesting, because one thing I've always noticed, because my... Um, Pretty much all of my kids have worked in the tourist industry in some area. If you're a tourist in Anchorage, there's no drugstore downtown. There's no grocery store downtown. There's no fast food downtown. And that may not seem like a big deal, but if you think about other cities, when you go to those cities, you've got a lot of other choices. And it, it, it makes it easier for people. If you need to go and you know pick up something um, at the drugstore, that's a big deal when there isn't anything in walking distance. Right. You know, so Anchorage is lacking some of those basic things, those basic services that make it more welcoming to tourists. Um, and I know we had those. I remember there was a Rexall downtown across the street from JCPenney for a long time. Um, there used to be a McDonald's downtown. Um, so I don't know what happened that those things all went away. But I think part of it has to do with um, keeping people down there and dealing with the the social issues so that, you know, and by that I'm talking about people being on the street and that kind of stuff so that they're not driving people away. Right. Absolutely. Um, which leads us to our third issue, which is taxation. Now you, you speak to me a little bit here on this because you talk about running your family's budget on a single income for decades with five kids. I've been the same thing. My wife uh, t- taking care of the kids, and we were a single-income family for a long time, and we had to live within our means. And right, it right. was it was not always pretty. You know, sometimes things got a little rough, uh, but we understood that you know you couldn't spend what you didn't have. And unfortunately, government seems to uh, be all about that. Sometimes they're like, "We'll find it later," kind of thing. And and we know uh, living on a single income with that many uh, people in the household that that's not a long term solution. No, it's not. And I, I don't understand why it is that government can never be expected to hold back, to say no. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It just came to me. There was a, I, was, I did a forum last week, and one of the questions was, what would you do if there was a, a $30 million surplus? What would you use it for? And my response was, I would save it, <laughs> because we don't have savings. You know, we had some money set aside when Berkowitz took office, there was about $18 million reserve. Now it's completely the opposite. In fact, way more. I'm told that it's closer to $50 million that we're in the hole. I had somebody um, contact me this weekend and suggest, is there some way to suspend the fuel tax while the prices are sky high? Right. That would be a perfect example of something you could use a surplus to do. Do you see what I'm saying? If we yeah. had some reserves, 
then when something like this happens, we could suspend that tax, give the residents a break because they're going sky high. And of course, it's not going to be huge, but 10 cents off a gallon when you're filling up your car, that's going to make a difference. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, that would be a perfect use for 30 million, you know, a a budget reserve. Well, we've. We've seen the budget over the last couple of years, just, you know, the last few years, really just kind of, you know, basically the sky's the limit. Right, uh, new right. t- and it's never a question of, it's never a question of, uh, do we have a spending problem? It's the question is, oh, we always have a revenue problem. And so any new tax always looks good to many people on the assembly, yeah. including your cha- including your opponent, because, yeah. I mean, it's there. We need to spend this money. We need it. So whatever, yes, we'll vote yes for any tax that comes through because we have a revenue problem, not a spending problem. Yeah, it's just the wrong perspective altogether. Um, it, it's not real life. And I think that's part of what comes from career politicians. They, they, don't, they don't deal in real life. And, you know, sometimes you just have to say no or you have to say, okay, what are the priorities? What are the essentials that we've got to do? What is government supposed to be paying for? You know, those basic things that we can't do for ourselves. Police, fire, um, infrastructure, uh, roads, you know, schools. But after that, you know, that's 60 to 70 percent of the budget. After that, we may need to prioritize and um, postpone some things, extend it over time, or just say um, no. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and somehow people just have grown to expect the government to do everything they want them to do. And it's this entitlement attitude. And we've got to get away from that. Tax dollars are precious dollars. These are people's hard-earned dollars. And we have to look at it that way. We just talked briefly about the uh, $54 million that may be owed at the Sullivan, but we've also got these new uh, ballot propositions that are coming out, uh, these uh, bond proposals. $111 million in school bonds, including building a new building, spending $30 million to replace the roofs on other buildings, uh, $46 million in city bond packages that would resurface some roads and everything else. And to this, I ask the question, I mean, a lot of these things, not all of them. I mean, I could support a couple of these different bonds for EMS and for fire, mm-hmm. uh, purchasing new equipment and, and ambulances and fire trucks, et cetera. But my big question comes in, I mean, at what point do we start looking at deferred maintenance as a big prime culprit for what we're dealing with here? We're expecting to see a $100 million bond package from the school board every two years going on into the future. I mean, at some point, when are we going to start putting money aside for maintenance on these buildings and instead of bonding for it, we're actually paying for it out of the kitty and, you know, living on what we have? That's my question. I've asked that question a lot myself too, Michael, because how is it that they don't have, I mean, for you and I, if we need a new roof, we got to find it in our budget somewhere or we got to, uh, do you see what I'm saying? We can't yeah. just pull money out of the sky. I don't understand why maintenance like that is not a part of the school district's budget. They are asking for $850 million this coming year. That's, that, we're, we're, we're close to a, a billion dollars, okay? Then you've got these bonds that they put on there, and what they've learned is they don't break them up anymore. You put a little bit of something in there that everybody wants, and then they'll pass the whole thing. That's their, right. that's their thinking. Right. It, it's just... I need to be metered about my words, but that's just not right. They, they right. don't know how to prioritize. Um, and there are a lot of people who just say, no, I won't vote for school bond, um, school board bonds or school district bonds. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but then there are other people that vote for them all. You know, so it's a problem because you've got so many things tucked in there that um, 
you, you know, it, it's just, it's a frustrating way to look at it because they used to do multiple bonds. They stopped doing that because they've learned that if they can put the maintenance and all of the other stuff, the new buildings, everything into one, they're much, they're much more likely to get what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, so it's frustrating. It is frustrating. And I've seen this, uh, you know, in Fairbanks when I was on the borough assembly there, and I've seen it here. Uh, it's totally frustrating. We're down to the last minute here, Stephanie. I want to give you a chance to give us your elevator pitch on why you should be the candidate that they vote for in District 5 at the Municipal Assembly. Every election presents a choice. Do we want to continue down the same path or do we want to change our course? I think Anchorage needs to change its course so that we can thrive again, and we need to do it now. The Assembly needs better balance, they need fresh ideas, and they need representatives who will listen to the people. As your Assemblywoman, I'll work to limit spending, stop the power grab, implement real solutions for homelessness, and work to restore in-person elections. We didn't get a touch on that one, Michael. As someone who has spent over 50 years in Anchorage and raised children here, I know the potential Anchorage has. I am here to serve. I'm dedicated to the city and the people in it. It's time for more than just talk. It's time for real change. And if you're ready for change, please vote Stephanie Taylor, District 5, East Anchorage. Stephanie4ak.com is the website. Stephanie Taylor, thank you so much for coming on board. Hold the line for one second, folks. We're out of time. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Now you're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, in the break, Stephanie Taylor, I wanted to give you one last bite at the apple here. If you want to touch on the in-person voting, uh, this is the time to do it. we got about four minutes here. Okay. Um, you know, it's been a big, real bone of contention for many people, the, uh, the mail-in ballot only situation. What's your take on it? Well, I feel like um, it was a solution in search of a problem. You know, it was a different assembly that passed it, but um, it has not delivered on any of the things that was promised. <clears throat> It's way more expensive. We've had so many issues with signatures, things that were never a problem before. The process is um, very belabored and uh, labor-intensive and time-consuming. We shouldn't be waiting two weeks plus to get election results. I think we need to move our election back to November in person. If we consolidate with the state, that's another way to save money. Don't know how that would all flesh out with this ranked choice voting business, but it needs to be looked at. And... um, you know, it'd be one ballot, one big ballot, but it's one and done. Because we already know that people turn out in November in much greater numbers than they do in April. Right. So I just think it's something that we need to revisit because um, it's really made people question the integrity of our elections. And and we don't want that. We want people to feel secure and confident. Right. I always found it interesting when I first moved down here to discover that the municipal election was, was you know, six months off of the standard municipal election uh, I mean, in Fairbanks, the municipal elections in October and then the generals in, in November. And it always, you know, it, it always became like election season. So people right. were already ready and geared and ready to go. And so it always surprised me to see that it's here in April kind of offset from everything else. I always wondered why that uh, why that came about and why wouldn't somebody want to move it back in line with all the other ones? Because it makes it a lot simpler. It does. Yeah. I don't know why it was moved. It happened about 20, I think it was the late 90s when they did that. Um it made no sense. I think their their thinking was that there were too many things on the ballot. Well, we just have to educate people better. You know, we got yeah. to do a better job. 
that, that's one thing I found. There's a lot of educating that we need to do in terms of civics and stuff that people don't get. You know, school board seats are the whole city. Everybody votes for those. A lot of people don't know that. That they're at large, that the seats right. are at large, right? Exactly. So you get to vote for every member of the school board, right? And those are so important. Don't get me started on that. Oh one, yeah, well, no, we I mean Rachel and and Mark in there. Yeah, we as you just pointed out, I mean the school boards are the ones that are putting out a lot of these ideas and the the bond packages and everything else, which it sounds like you know you're opposed to, um, right? And and uh, and you know again, I am too, especially the lumping. I mean, at least with the city bond, I mean they broke out things like the the EMS and the fire things. They had different right. proposals. Why do we have to lump it all in as to one bond on the school district proposition? That just, again, I think, yeah, as you point out, yeah. it's a strategy to make sure that it all gets, because it's for the children, right, Stephanie? Right. It's oh, for yeah. the children. Oh, yeah. uh, and here's the dirty little secret about school board seats. Those are usually often, I should say often, stepping stone, um, you know, stepping stone seats. They, they use that, and then they go to the next higher office. These are a lot of career politicians get their start on school boards. Yeah, no. Absolutely, I would agree. And again, I've got a problem when you've got a declining enrollment, mm-hmm. and yet you're going to go ahead and drop another thirty million dollars on a brand new school, right? When you don't have, you know, when you've got a problem with maybe you're not going to be filling up all the schools as it is. And we are at the bottom of the barrel academically. Yeah, we're up with spending and at the bottom academically. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's not about money. Right, That's not the solution. Well, and as a homeschooling parent, we understand that. I mean, th- this can be done uh, at a much well, I wouldn't say cheaper, but I mean, it can be done much more affordably than than with the brick and mortars and everything. There should be alternative. If COVID, the silver lining of COVID, if nothing else, showed us that there were different ways to teach that weren't necessarily just brick and mortar and $30 million schools. That's right. That's right. You just have, it, it innovates. That That's one of the things that comes out of this. We have all these new innovations and new ideas, and that's a good thing. Yeah. No, I agree with that uh, totally. Stephanie Taylor, uh, thank you so much for coming on board. It was a pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to seeing uh, look forward to seeing you on the assembly. I hope that uh, I hope we're able to swing the pendulum back the other way. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you so much, Michael. Stephanie4ak.com is her website. If you'd like to go out there and get some information from her, her issues, donate time, money, material, whatever it is you want to volunteer, that's where you go. Stephanie4ak.com. Stephanie Taylor, thank you for joining us on the program this morning. All right, my friends, we're up to one final segment on the show this morning, and uh, that means we're going to open up the lines, open line, open form, and we're going to see what uh, you guys have to say on everything that's happening right now. Uh, we'd love to uh, <clears throat> love to hear from you. We will also talk about, um, oh, what else are we going to talk about? We talked about Edie Grunewald. She's, uh, uh, we talked about that. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess that's it. Oh, we oh we, we I guess we could talk about some of the things in Ukraine as well. So uh, willing to willing and able to talk about any of those things or take your calls as well to help drive the conversation this morning. So um, let's get to it. Don't forget to like and share this video. Uh, please like and share, like and follow the show page as well, and. Uh, Don't forget to uh, hit subscribe and ring the bell out there on YouTube. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
All right, uh, getting ready to finish things up here this morning. Um, it's a final segment of the show, and we'll open up the phone lines. How about that? I, I still, we could talk a little bit about what's going on in Ukraine, what's happening with oil and gas prices as well. I'm sure we'll cover some of that with Brad Keithley tomorrow. Give us a little bit of idea of, you know, of course, nobody really knows with all the uncertainty that's going on there, but at least we'll give us a little bit of a better idea. So we'll take some calls right now at 5233-3150-433-3150. Before we do that, though, I want to say thank you to Bivy Stick, a sponsor of the program. The Bivy Stick is a small device which tethers to your cell phone via Bluetooth. You download the app, you take this little tiny device, it's about half the size of your cell phone, and it turns your cell phone into a modern satellite communications device. Now, it's good for tracking yourself, so if you're out on the trail, you're out in the woods, and you want your loved ones and friends to know where you are, you can drop little pins on the map to say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You could set it to drop at 10 minutes, at 8 minutes, at 5 minutes apart, at 2 minutes apart, so if you're traveling, uh, you could see where everything is. Uh, you can also uh, go over and, uh, of course, uh, send emails and text messages as well. Um, and that makes it simple and easy to let people know where you are. The stick also has on it a couple little buttons. One's a check-in button with a pre-written message that you set up that basically says, hey, I'm okay, just checking in, here's where I'm at. Or a little red button that you could say, with help, I've fallen and I can't get up. I'm in an emergency, I'm hurt. Whatever it is that you put in there, and it drops your location as well, a good way to let people know where you are, no matter where it is. Could be driving back and forth to Anchorage. Could be way out in the Brooks Range somewhere. Could be out of off Hinchinbrook. It could be anywhere. Uh, that's the beauty of it, it, because if you could see the sky, you are connected, because it works with the Iridium satellite network. Or in the case of a disaster, You've got cellular congestion where everybody's trying to make a phone call at once and you can't get through or the cell tower goes down. The bivy is still up and rolling. In addition, you can get weather forecast, aviation forecast for you pilots and mariner forecast for you uh, mariners, uh, wherever it is. And it's all for only $199 a month. So if you own a vehicle, car, boat, plane, ATV, snow machine, unicycle, submarine, whatever it is, you need to get yourself a bivy stick. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com. Just click on the bivy stick logo, or you can go to your local dealer in uh, in Soldatna at Safe and Sound, also in Wasilla and Anchorage at Safe and Sound, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, Seward, it's Communications North, it's Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, Lundy Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor, and South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer. So go on out there and 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 get yourself a bivvy. 199 bucks, no activation fees. Oof. Man, that's what you need right there. Get it done. Go out and get yourself a bivvy stick and tell them thank you for sponsoring the Michael Duke show. All right. Uh one uh one final segment. We got some lines on hold, so let's go over there first and we'll see what you guys have to say. We'll start off the conversation uh before we start talking about anything else. We'll let you drive. So over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. Well, good morning, Carlene um, and Kodiak. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. And you? I am just finer than frog hair split four ways. Oh, that's wonderful. That's pretty fine. Um, you covered many topics today. And um, Governor Brad Keithley covered something that uh, Governor Dunleavy has been awarded or promised 
a large amount of money from the Governor's Association, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was you know, three and a half million um, to be awarded or promised to his campaign. And then um, another thing about the election integrity, the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, um, had uh, election integrity bills passed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that originated from Governor Abbott or if that was his own doing. But um, and another thing, too, is in Kodiak, we had an addition built to the high school. Right. Almost $90 million. 90? Did you say, did you say $90 million? Yes, $90 million. Wow. And $35 million for the swimming pool. And then this past year, um, because I didn't vote for that, because I figured it was sold to us as free money, free money from the state of Alaska. Right. However, I figured if we went into a recession or if oil went down to 20 dollars a barrel, that the tax the people that own houses would have to cover that. And right. they did because Dunleavy wouldn't cover that. And then last year, the bond money came out of the school budget surplus, the excess. So, um, And then I think Dunleavy is covering our school bonds. Well, it's a, that's always the danger of the bonds, Carlene, is we're always promised, oh, don't worry, we'll reimburse you you know, 70, 80, 90%, whatever the percentage is that they say they'll reimburse you until, of course, that they don't. And then the citizens in those communities realize that they're on the hook for the full kick instead of just for 10 or 20% of it. And yeah, it's problematic to say the least when all of a sudden you're left with a bill that's in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for a year that you weren't expecting. And that's why we need to quit selling these bonds as if it's a done deal that the state's always going to reimburse. Yes, and then um, about the Ukraine, during Clinton, the history of the Ukraine during the Clinton administration, apparently they were the third largest nuclear weapons in the world. Yes. And the U.S. and the U.K. promised to protect the Ukraine um, once they dismantled their nuclear weapons. So that's a lesson to the United States. Don't let our leaders dismantle our nuclear weapons. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that was a deal struck between the U.K., the U.S., and Russia, where they were all supposed to be, a, you know, looking out for Ukraine. And so this all kind of got thrown by the wayside when, uh, of course, Russia invaded Ukraine. But, yeah, they were the third largest nuclear power in the country, um, excuse me, in the world, uh, although they didn't have access to all of those nuclear weapons because a lot of them were Soviet-era nuclear weapons. So, But you're right. I mean, it just, again, shows that, uh, you know, it's like a pie crust promise, as Mary Poppins said, easily made, easily broken. And that's where we're at right now in the world. It's a it's a tough time for sure. Carlene, thank you so much for... I'm sorry? Oh, sure. Thank you. For, thank you for sounding off this morning. I appreciate you being part of it. Um, and with those wise words from Carlene and Kodiak, who we always love having on the program, that's the end of the show today. Wow. That's, uh, that's it. A hundred million dollars for an addition to the school. Dang. That thing must be the Taj Mahal. Well, 
let's hope that the folks in Anchorage don't get sucked into the same thing. We'll see what happens there, but uh, I'm not hopeful. I can cry to the the, the, the cows come home. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to stop voting for it. Again, I'm just glad I don't live in Anchorage. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. I want you to live well. I want you to love one another. Be kind. No matter what somebody else believes, just just be kind. Love one another. Thank you for coming in. I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends, that's it for today. It's a fast two hours, huh? We always say it's the fastest two hours in radio. I mean, it just goes by in a blink. We look forward to to uh, hearing from you. We'll get Edie Grunewald. Actually, she's still in the chat room with us. We'll get Edie uh, on to uh, talk with us here this next week or so about her run for lieutenant governor with Charlie. We'll see what that looks like. Meanwhile, we got to go. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, my friends. Live well. our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show